We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Thank you. Welcome to another edition of the Dogger Pass Podcast. This for UFC 247, Jones versus Reyes from Houston, Texas. Got, want to let everyone know that we're recording this show a little bit early because my co-host and your friend and mine, Cody Saftik, going away on vacation next week, and uh, we had to get her done. So this is dropping. This is dropping on a Saturday, recording on a uh, on a Wednesday night. So. If people are looking and going like, that line's not even the same, here's your ex- explanation for why lines may be a little bit different. Yeah, we've also got a couple of fights on the card that just got added this morning, so we don't actually have lines. We don't have DraftKings pricing, sorry. <clears throat> so we're just going to have to uh, essentially make some assumptions, see who we like, break down as much as we can. It is a little bit in advance, but we have a great tradition of not missing cards. And so this is a Jones one. We can't really miss it anyways mm-hmm. for the people, but... All do the same. We just had to make some adjustments and record a little bit earlier. Before we get to all of that, we have winners. Winners from last week. We have Singy, S-I-N-G-H-Y, 18. Congratulations. You won 20 DK dollars. If you want to be like Singy, 18, and win 20 DK dollars this week, here's what you got to do. You got to leave or give the episode a like. Nothing is possible. Unless you give the episode a like, leave your DraftKings handle and say who was the least uh, deserving title contender of all time. Really, UFC really? title contender. Really, I, I'm, can I can I can I change it up on the spot? Well, well, I'll do. Well, now people to, are going to be confused. People are going to be confused. But here's you want to switch it because I we uh, as is tradition, we did not 
actually have this discussion we beforehand. Didn't. No, no, we didn't. So I just rolled with that because it was the first thing that came okay, to mind. Okay, okay. So as you were teeing it up, I was like, son of a bitch is going to throw it to me, and I don't got nothing. So I thought of something on the no, spot. No, I took it. And then, and then, and then you I took it. it. But now now my my thing is not good enough for you. So let's, I'm saying. Let's, let's hear it. Let's, I'm let, saying. Let, let's have I'm the people. Saying. Tell the people what they have to do. Juan Adams is a professional getting ready for fisticuffs, and yet his kryptonite is the goddamn Little Debbie's. What is your kryptonite? <laughs> what is the one, your cheat, your snack, that one thing where it's like, son of a bitch, I do enjoy that. Leave it in the comment section below. Is it Twinkies? Is it Oreos? Is it Kit Kat bars? Fuck, I'm a Twix guy myself. Also, combos, you know, it's like fake cheese stuffed into a little pretzel. <laughs> son of a bitch. Those things are addictive. Uh, what, what, is, what is your snack food that you just can't have enough of? Give the episode a like, DK handle, and what is your What's yours? What is your food kryptonite? I know you're a Domino's guy, but that's a pizza. You must have like a snack that's a go-to, even from in your childhood. Cookies and cream, like oh man. I mean, I'm real simpleton. Like ice the, cream, you're an ice cream guy. Not really. I, no, no. I've seen you have ice cream actually. Not really. And like I, I'd like ice cream, but I don't buy ice cream anymore. I have no self control when it comes to a lot. <laughs> so of So what's things. your weakness? You used to be fat. What's your weakness? Because it has to be something. Come I mean, on. it was like carbs in general, but uh, <laughs> but like if, if I'm off, and actually right now I haven't been doing keto for a little bit. After the Super Bowl, we're getting back on the okay, on the train. back on board. But um, I mean. The one real weakness that I, I have is like, just honestly, this is like so poor, but just G, uh, bagels, bagels, and then I melt cheese on them, and then like I'll dip it in like like HP sauce. Holy or some shit! shit. Eh? I've never I've never heard of that, so that qualifies. What? Let us know in the comments. But like section I could eat, like I can eat a six pack of bagels, man. Like <laughs> shit can get real real fast. Bulk season. Uh, if you want to win two hundred DK bucks. Is that still going? Is it every week? It's going, baby. Oh, baby. I, I mean, I, I don't know when Pat draws. We're just, don't shoot the messenger. Sure. But um, if you want to win $100 DK, dollars, what you got to do is, wherever you download podcasts, give the episode a five-star review, leave your DraftKings handle, say not, something that you like about the show, like, hey, Cody's not sponsored by Ruka Gym anymore. Greasy no, theory no. alert. I feel like you're on the take from Ruka. Well, I'd be wearing the hat right now. I if know I was. that's what you threw me off. I was right thinking now. about it coming into this week. So, I need yeah. a haircut. My beard needs a trim. I'm all out of it of sorts. But yeah, Pat will follow up on the uh, the DK hundred bucks giveaway, and that's for whether it's iTunes or Stitcher. Uh, there's so many different websites. So I, there have been people being like, "How do I make a review to get the hundred bucks?" You gotta, you gotta do a little bit of legwork. You gotta figure this. You gotta figure this shit. I actually don't know how to do it. Like if you're on Stitcher, if you're on Stitcher, I don't know how to do it. Right, so it is what it is. But hundred DK bucks could be yours if you want to do that, and it helps out the show. Helps us reach a bigger audience. And we are on the on the climb recently. You gotta thank all of our fans for split uh, for doing that recently. Like our numbers are going up all over this, all over the place. So. Thank you to everyone. Good times, good times had by all. Anyway, let's, I think that was the longest, like, intro we've ever had. Let's get into the actual action here. John Bones Jones takes on Dominic Reyes. John Jones is a minus 440 favorite. Dominic Reyes plus 350. I mean, you're John just Jones begging me, begging me to parlay. Uh, add John Jones to parlays, and, and I'll be your mm-hmm. huckleberry. This is the guy who's... Never really lost, obviously. 
the one loss on or the one blemish on his career was uh, twelve to six elbows against yeah. Matt Hamill way back when. And there's no contest. It was him putting a shin upside a man's head. He's literally ran through the entire division, and we have Dominic Reyes here, who's twelve and zero, and you know, good on him. He gets his he gets his shot, but there's been many of undefeated and top level talents that have been who have suffered the same demise against John Jones. He's just so good anywhere. The guy was taking down Daniel Cormier. The guy has a freakishly long reach and everything like that. This may be one of his first opponents at 205 that is at least as tall as him or maybe even a little bit taller. Tall, rangy guy, yeah. But it's John Jones, man. Like, I'm not... I feel like it's almost too low even still. It's John Jones. John Jones, maybe he does, he's not taking this fight camp seriously. Yeah, that's all what you that type of stuff. If you add them to parlays, and it's parlays from this card, if you're feeling queasy when you get to the final, uh, when you get to the final fight of whatever parlay it's, it's an on, easy hedge out. it's an easy hedge out. I don't see Dominic Reyes going off at worse than plus 300, so you're going to get at least that as a way to hedge out if you want to. John, I don't know what else I can really say. He's the best of all time. And I, you know how much that hurts me to say it, but like yeah. Khabib just hasn't done it for the amount of time that John Jones has. Yeah. This is John Jones, man. He's minus 440. Like, I added Macy Barber at minus 1,000 to a parlor. You think I'm not going to add John Jones against anybody at minus 440? Let's go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I hear you. Listen, you've, you're getting the greatest fighter. <clears throat> Barring aside the whole steroid thing, you're getting the greatest fighter to do it. You're looking at a guy that's not only has he defeated everybody he's come in contact with, he's lost very few rounds in between. Yeah, how can you, for 440, how can you go against this guy? But we also got to break down at least the other side of it. And as for as much as Dominic Reyes has really not fought anybody, coming off a win over a ballooned-up Chris Weidman. That's my boy! Barely scraped by Volkan Uzdemir. A lot of people believing that he lost that fight against Volkan Uzdemir. It's like, yep. what, what could he possibly present John Jones? And it's a case of John Jones would likely have to defeat himself. If he, when he doesn't go in there, I'm not saying it's a camp issue. I'm not saying it's a preparation issue. I'm not saying it's a cane before the fight issue. Just sometimes he's not motivated when he's in there. When he does that, he usually lays up some type of an egg. And you look at a couple of recent examples of that. The OSP, that, that's not a recent example. That fight's a long-ass time ago. But it's like he's not motivated for it. It's his first fight of com- coming back from suspension. And he just, he just goes through the motions. But the last fight against Tiago Santos, it's kind of the same thing. Like It's a split decision win. I don't understand why. Tiago Santos has two blown-out knees. He's just swinging for the fences. It's just John sometimes just doesn't go for it. His killer mm-hmm. instinct, gone. We, we say this guy's the greatest fighter of all time. And him and George, two of the three greatest fighters of all time. And why I personally believe Khabib is the man. Khabib goes out there and he finishes these guys. Whereas as much as Jones has finishes on his record, it's a lot of going through the motion against a lot of these guys. I mean, Khabib, Khabib, everyone would always say that he was a decision machine. Of course. Leading up until most recently. It's just funny for you to say that he's a finisher now. Well, he goes, he dominates like George. George used to hold guys down and dominate them. Khabib used to hold guys down and dominate them. But now he just keeps working and keeps working, whether he's trying to knock you out. And now he's got skills on his feet. He's got submission skills. He's a threat everywhere. Jones is a great wrestler, but it's not like he goes out there with the game plan of just taking guys down and, and doing that. He seemingly is a good grappler. I mean, he competes in grappling tournaments still to this day. Everyone says, you know, good good submissions. Got submissions on his record against guys like Vitor Belfort back in the day. Listen, he's twice Vitor's size. Vitor's on short notice. Whatever. But, you know, he's a black belt, and it was a cool little submission. The guy can submit guys, but that's not his game plan. And for the knockout power, no fucking knockout no. power. You're not taking out Thiago Santos, and you're not taking out Anthony Smith 
the TKO over Alexander Gustafson largely shadowed for me because this is Gus done basically borderline retirement at the time lots of injuries coming off a long layoff like it just wasn't him it was as much he just couldn't take more than three rounds of action and, and kind of succumb to it but jones is not a big finishing type type of guy no definitely not right so so now he says who do i who am i gonna fight he's looking for a big fight he's looking for an intriguing fight people are talking about maybe going to heavyweight geez you know what maybe i take the brock lesnar fight <clears throat> there was talks about him brock Maybe I take the Stipe fight. You're telling me you wouldn't be in for Jones versus Stipe? Fuck yeah, you would be. And Ganu, I don't want to see that. But all the same, it's like there's some intriguing talks. Who does he end up with? Dominic Reyes. It's not the type of opponent that's going to motivate you. So we don't know if he's going to go in there. You know, John Jones looking to make a name for himself. He's made the name for himself. John Jones, he, he doesn't care if you boo. He'll, he is fine with just doing enough to win. So now Reyes just has to outwork him. And whereas I don't think Reyes is going to do that, I'm, I'm with you, John Jones 440. I'm going to take Jones by decision. Again, we just talked about I don't think he's got great finishing ability. But Jones yeah, there is... There isn't a price on that yet. But. Jones's list of opponents is Tiago Santos is an orthodox fighter. Anthony Smith is an orthodox fighter. Gustafson's an orthodox fighter. Cormier is an orthodox fighter. Owen St. Prue is actually a switch-hitting fighter. Back again, Cormier, orthodox fighter. Glover's orthodox. Gustafson's orthodox. Chael's a southpaw. But Chael only fights southpaw because he shoots from that stance, and he's a middleweight. Mm -hmm. Vitor's a southpaw, but he's a fucking middleweight as well. And Lyoto Machida was a southpaw, but Lyoto gave him some trouble in the first round. Might have won the first round. OSP was him coming off of a two-year layoff. Yeah, and OSP didn't really do much either. He got up from the takedowns. That was the biggest takeaway I had. It was like, holy shit, this guy with no jiu-jitsu seemingly just stood up every time Jones did get him down. So when I think about Reyes, he's a legitimate southpaw. He's six foot four. He's rangy. Rangy guys have given Jones some problems in the past, like Gustafson back in the day. Southpaws have given him trouble in the past. This is a young, hungry contender. This is the super. This is his fucking Super Bowl. Poll. Is this his Super Where is Bowl? Where is this? Is another day for John Jones, right? So we, you have to have faith in John just not shooting himself in the foot to lose this fight. But I, I can't, I can't just completely discredit this man, Alexander. Uh, sorry, Dominic Reyes as, as a non-contender. It's like he's probably top three or four guys in the division. He's going to be highly motivated, and he's got a good, appro- appropriate skill set. My concern about Jones by decision is just, does Re- can Reyes go five rounds? He's looked pretty, you know, after three rounds in, this, like, the Volcamp fight, like, he wasn't looking like he had tons of energy. But that being said, he was able to, like, put uh, OSP away in, like, the dying seconds. So that's, that's what I was going to counter with, is that in that fight, he goes a very strong three rounds, and he lands something like 120 significant strikes, whereas versus, in three rounds, and almost knocks him out at the end of the third. Versus Jones's last fight against Thiago Santos, he landed, like, 61 significant mm-hmm. strikes. Now, that's a little bit misleading, because Thiago Santos had the blown-out knees, so he just starts swinging bombs. So it's very hard to engage this guy and throw combinations like, what the fuck? He's only looking to bomb on me. So that, that's why there's a decrease of numbers there. But what I'm saying is if Reyes is in great shape, great camp, and everything points to this is so big for him that yeah. he should be a career best. He's, what, 28 years old? This is your, this moment. Is this is be, your moment to become a superstar. Yeah, he's got some power. You know, he put Weidman down, which I don't think is all that impressive this, these days. But, you know, the guy's got power. He's got a good jiu-jitsu game. He can wrestle. He's got all the skills, you know? It's just we're going against a generational talent who's only 32 and has li- literally he has to defeat himself in order to lose his fight. Mm-hmm. 440 is the kind of price tag you go for. 540 is not the kind of price tag I'd go for. But again, it's reasonable now, and I think it's reasonable by decision that Jones. Yeah, by one decision out, there isn't a there isn't a prop out for that yet. But 
for the fight to go to decision is plus 180. So that should give you give you some nice uh, – should give you actually a pretty nice number if you really do like Jones by decision. Let me so it's you- plus 180 for, yes, for it to go decision. Yeah, so that's pretty That's pretty. I good. imagine you're going to get probably close to even money. When, when was at the least, last – Maybe even plus. Quickly putting you on the plus. spot and then we'll move on, but – when was the last time you watched Jones? We always Jones is a big talent. Everybody always watches Jones. The fans, casual fans, they watch Jones. <clears throat> when was the last time you watched John Jones and you were generally impressed? Like, wow, this guy's got it. This guy's extremely talented. Second Cormier fight. Second Cormier fight. Three fights back. That's the fight he's hit, positive for steroids. Since then, he's clean. The Gustafson fight was not impressive, and the Anthony Smith fight was horrendous, and the Tiago Santos fight was horrendous. Yeah. So, like, he may be considered on the backswing here. Yeah, fair enough. So, so, I don't know, man. Like, I'm talking myself into a pass, but I also completely hear what you're saying. How, how does Jones lose to fucking Dominic Reyes? But it's like, torches get passed from time to time. Yeah, 440 I mean, is a good price, so I, I remember. What, I remember I kind of thought about this this week when I was just like, when I was trying to think of Reyes' path to victory and stuff. And I mean, so I was blinded. Gonna... Remember Garbrandt versus uh, Cruz, and we're just yeah. like, if he's gonna win, it's gonna be by knockout. There's no way that he pieces up Dominic Cruz over the course of five rounds. And what happened? That was Do- that was Cody Garbrandt's Super Bowl, and he showed up that it day, and he pieced up Cruz at Cruz's game. Yeah, yeah. So you're you're 100 right with that. The torch does get passed sometimes. Um, Four forty. I'm, I'm, I'm still. I'm still. I'm still. I'm still. It's John yeah. Jones. I'm still okay. gonna parlay him. But maybe, maybe I, uh, I had out a little bit more than I would, you know. If I'm sitting I at the end of the night, yeah, yeah, gonna, yeah you, just like you said, put him on on parlays. And at the end of the night, I'm not going like I got a generational. Ta- <laughs> I'm, lo- I'm like woohoo! I'm hedging this son of a bitch. Yeah, fair. Okay, fair enough. That's how we'll leave. All right, That's we got it. Valentina Shevchenko taking on Caitlin Chukagian. Uh, Valentina Shevchenko minus eleven hundred favorite. Chukagian can be had four plus seven hundred. I'm gonna lay this one out real easy. I don't think we have to talk about this one very long. What does what shot? <clears throat> Does Chukagian really have? She's not the better striker. No. Not the better grappler. I, I don't, I legitimately don't see a path to victory for her. Okay, so she's a plus 700 uh, versus an 11 to 1 favorite in Valentina Shevchenko. Who? So obviously she's not expected to win here. But when, but the, if the question is, what is her path to victory? A worker. Stay on the outside, run, dance the entire time. And just fight the Elias Theodoru bullshit game plan mm-hmm. of rinky dink and get the fuck out of Dodge. That shit ain't gonna. No, work no, I don't think the judges. Level, no, I don't. I don't yeah, getting a championship. We're in Texas though. Not that that means anything for her, but bad decisions can be had in Texas. No, because Valentina is gonna come out with a cowboy hat, some boots on, and a gun around her waist, and they're gonna be like, "Oh yeah, she spent five years here. She's one of us." Like I, I don't, I don't know, I don't think that. Yeah, the game plan would have to be engaged to get the decision anyhow. And I don't think that Chukagian's going to want to engage. She's not going to be able to take her down. She's going to be continuously... She can't throw combinations because she's going to be worried about getting taken down. Mm-hmm. Valentina's a complete package. And whereas, like, someday someone's going to come along for that torch-passing moment, like, this isn't it. She's run right through all the contenders. So now you have to look at, like, okay, do we have any name fighters for her to fight? No, we actually don't. Do we have anybody on who's on, like, a solid win streak? Yeah, we do. Caitlin Chukagian. Outside of her fight with Liz Carmouche, she's, like, pretty good. Liz Carmouche is not even in the division anymore. Valentina just fought Liz Carmouche. We've done that. It's like you're, you're running out of contenders. It's just going through the motions. Now, the problem is we can't get any value off 11-1. Even no. if we're trying to put this on parlays, it's just not even worth it. Because, again, could she blow out her knee? Could she roll something? Could 
something fluky happened. Like, this, yeah, this, it's a crazy sport. So, this so fight you have to, to go, figure this fight to go to decision, decision. is minus two fifteen. So, so I'm actually, I actually think I would be more likely for Valentina inside the distance if this is the props that we're putting out there. Plus one sixty five for it not to go to decision. I'm actually going with with the, her by decision. I think that she takes the decision. The fight go to decision, like you said, the numbers two forty. But yeah, the consensus is the fight's probably going five. And with an 11-1 favorite, the defending champion, one of the pound-for-pound pound greats, certainly you know in the women in women's fighting, yeah, okay, we're we're fully on board for Shevchenko to get the victory. She'll get the decision victory. If you look at how did she finish this fight, right? How did she finish this fight? Well, she'd have to have somebody engage her. Like, yeah, okay, she kicked Jessica I in the head, and that's at distance. She submitted Juliana Pena, who was way bigger than her. Juliana Pena took her down, ended up on top, and got armbarred, right? She was engaging her. Kagan's not going to actively engage her. And because Valentina knows she's the superior striker, maybe she doesn't really want to engage her on the ground either. Maybe she's going to be comfortable with just fighting this girl. But Liz Carmouche did not engage. Did not engage. What was the result? Decision. A, a boring ass decision. Ch- Caitlin Chikagian, not known for engaging. And also, she hasn't been finished. So she has a proven track record that she can't take a punch. She doesn't usually take them because she's always backpedaling. It's just kind of like a Styles Make Fights type of clash where Valentina's just going to walk forward on this girl and she's just going to bail out. And I do see that going. Jessica, I. That head up to the dome. Like, that was, that was something serious. I don't think the girls in this division are ready for that. Chukagian included. You and I have said this for a long time. Caitlin Chukagian is a poor version of... Holly Holm. Holly Holm. And Valentina Shevchenko and Holly Holm. Holly Holm tried to not engage her. There was a big size right? disparity And I fell there, asleep though. on Sean McCormick's floor because it was not a great fight. It, I it, bet Shevchenko, so I was, I was <laughs> Which is dog. It. Yeah, dog play. Huge. Yeah. It's just, I was just like, wow, nothing's going on. But again, it was that's how the style clash went. So Chukagian fights the similar style. Yeah. Yeah, I'm leaning towards just the Just less position. athletic, smaller. Yeah, and that's the only way to try to improve and Shevchenko's on frankly improved a bunch since then, too, I think. Like, her, whole, her whole game. She's, She's amazing. Sick. She's sick. She's amazing. 125-pound men, gen, uh, generational talent. All right, we got this one's this one's dusty, dusty AF. Juan Al- Juan Adams minus two thirty taking on Justin Taffa plus one ninety. I've never seen a line that's more dogger pass than <laughs> this one right here. I don't know how you how you'd go and bet Juan Adams at minus two thirty. That's absurd. I know Taffa looked pretty awful. He's super super green, but if you just get some heavyweights getting tired and swinging and banging on each other, I'm going to take the plus 190 underdog in this spot every single time. I know Juan Adams wrestled out of Virginia military, but we've seen this guy's gas tank, and you were talking about him loving his uh, his uh, Miss Debbie's, is it? Little Debbie's. Little Debbie's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, not my wheelhouse, but... Uh, yeah, like we've seen him, you know, we've seen him struggle with his cardio and stuff like that. He can't wrestle for three rounds. That's the reason why he probably doesn't go after the takedowns all that much. Yeah, but does he have to do it for three rounds here, or does he have to do it a single time and pound out Junior Taffa in the side of the first three or four minutes? Like, are you expecting him to wrestle for 15 minutes? Are you expecting this fight to go for 15 I'm minutes? I'm saying I'm not paying minus 230 to find out. Yeah, one yeah, Adams. yeah, that's, yeah. That's my real thing. Yeah, here. yeah. Um, it would be dog or pass. Uh, I'm interested to hear your take on this fight, though. Okay, so first and foremost, yeah, you nailed it. 230 on Juan Adams is just not a great price tag. He's proven to not be trustworthy. In his last two fights, they gave him two absolute polar opposites. He took on RJ Bular, who couldn't do nothing but wrestle, 
and he lost the decision in, you know, an absolutely terrible fight. And then in his next fight against Greg Hardy, it's really, I'm not going to say one-dimensional power puncher, but at this point, he's so green himself. What else does he bring to the table? And he gets clipped inside of 45 seconds. So he's proven that you don't want, if you're going to want a better price tag than 230 if you're laying some, some money on this guy. However, there's no denying that it's like, as far as dog or pass goes, I don't fully agree with that because, like, I'd have to have some faith in the dog. I have no faith in Justin Taffa. Like, I don't understand what particularly he brings to the table. Mind you, 3-0, very green, young 25-year-old kickboxer, right? Probably should fight, I don't know, another five, ten times before he even gets a whiff of something like a contender series fight. Mm -hmm. But UFC 243, it's Whitaker Adesanya, it's in Australia. He's a local Australian. He's buddies with these guys. So he ends up on the card against Jorgen DeCastro and then proves exactly why. The books have no respect for UFC. my boy Jorgen. Jorgen's been a printing machine for yours, <laughs> truly. Jorgen has been a fucking ATM, man. It's yeah. been un unbelievable. Not for me. I didn't have the 650. Was it 650? 450? On the was Contender Series? Alton Cunning? Was it was Alton was 650, I think. But what was the return on him for, for Castro? Yeah, it was like plus 600. Holy fuck. Yeah, yeah. But then, again, like, no respect for the guy. No. Nope, I can bang, man. Yep. Anyways, going back here, it's like, so Tafa gets clipped by him. <clears throat> and you're right. He gets bombed by a big old Castro overhand, but he doesn't move his head off the line. He essentially comes up short with just a winging bomb moving into the pocket and gets clipped. Like, essentially, he's a meme right after the knockout. Everyone's laughing about, like, this guy's ring IQ. Holy shit, he just swung a bomb in there. Whereas Juan Adams won a couple fights in the UFC. They give him Arjan. Arjan was... Uh, he, he was a former that Olympic. Yeah, terrible, sucked. terrible, terrible. But Arjan wrestled for Team Canada at the Olympics, right? He was an Olympian, and it was a terrible fight. He went three rounds, bad. And then after that, he's like, okay, I got to get in shape. Tries to get in shape. Apparently, gives up the little debbies for fight camp. Who knows if he does or not? And then loses to Greg Hardy. But the Greg Hardy fight was a high profile fight that they were giving him. The Arjan, to a lesser extent, it was kind of a high profile fight that they're giving to him. Even though he's on a two fight losing streak, he's 28. He's six foot five, six foot seven, or six foot uh, five or six. He's a big dude, comes in at 265. Like, there is some upside to this guy, has wrestling, is a rangy guy, can strike a little bit, whereas Toffa just shouldn't be at this level altogether. Now now you mix in just the striking. This is, as far as just the striking goes, Toffa just swings bombs, whereas this guy's got a jab, he's got a right hand, he could stay to the outside, he's got a much better clinch game, he is a better wrestler, and when we're talking about how bad his cardio is, we don't even know about Toffa's cardio. He's not shown us anything other than getting blasted inside of the first round. So I actually do agree with the price tag. It's because I don't, I don't trust Juan Adams to shoot the takedown right away. He's shown a propensity to go out there and try to fight with you standing for a little bit and then eventually clinch up. It's just like, man, your path to victory is not stand with this guy who only swings bombs. Stands, swings one. That's all. He has a kickboxing base. That's all he has. Just go out there, touch gloves, shoot a fucking takedown. But, but because I don't know that he's got the ring IQ to do that, I, I don't know. Two-fight losing streak, where's his confidence at? Just got knocked down 45 seconds. If one of these bombs do land, is his chin compromised? I mean, Hardy just floored him like nothing. There's a lot of question marks. That 2-3 is not a great price tag. But I, I'm not actually interested in the dog. Uh, Tafa, unless it's a punt play on DK, which we can talk about at the end of the I show. I mean, that's the scary. And it's a punt. That's the scary But you could score a lot as a punt, buddy. And that's the thing. That's why we kind of go through and talk about DK at the end. Yeah, because like, these it would are, be a good punt play. These are the fights that in tournaments and stuff, you have to, yeah, have, yeah, you have, yeah. to have a piece of it. For sure. And it's like, yeah, it's for instance, like last week with Burns versus Landwehr. Just like... Uh, I was on the this wrong side a, of it, but you, we said you had to be on If you're in single entry, it's like... You, you had to be on up, one side. If you, you end up... Yeah, side. single entry, it's like you have to pick a side, and we picked... Yeah, I think you had Landwehr as well. Landry, same, yeah. same here. It's just like... But you knew, based on how and how that fight was going, it's just like, there's only two ways for this fight to go. 
Now, I guess the knockout, but like a finish was going to happen at some point there. You want to know something crazy? I got this fight in my mind. I've played it out. I'm like, okay, either he gets taken down really fast and submitted, or he doesn't get taken down and submitted. It stays standing and he fucking bombs on Burns. And then what happens? He gets taken down. He's in the nastiest anaconda. Yeah. And I'm like, well, that was one of the two ways it was going to play out. He gets up. He, he starts bombing up. him. He starts bombing on him. Paul, you have no idea. I was like, who was right? He, he ran. He ran. It wasn't like Burns tried to hit him with the knee. Burns just threw the knee in an upwards motion. And this, and Nate fucking dipped his head clean. Yeah, he was dead. He was out before he hit the ground. And dead. Dems to breaks, Paul. That's just the That's way fighting fight goes. It's a, it's a high variance, high variance fight. And if you play multiple lineups, you would have had exposure to both sides. Of course. But, we're giving, but yeah, I'm we're talking like single entry, lineup. that type of thing. Like and in you, our DK, on our big DK like um, contest... I, I did have him. It's just, thank God, like guys like Montel and Angela Hill came through and they scored more points than they were supposed to and it kind of balanced it out. But mm-hmm. having two points on Nate Landwehr was very, very bad. This fight could be the same thing. Like, you could have Juan Adams. You're going to have to pay. We don't have the pricing right now, but you have to pay a lot for Juan Adams. And could he get knocked out inside of a minute? Yeah, we just saw it. Toffa's only got one path of victory and it's knocking him out inside of a few minutes. Exactly. Flip side to Toffa, it's like if he loses, he's going to get taken down and pounded on. He'll score nothing. But having exposure to both of these guys or one of these guys probably the key to a winning lineup. Mirsad Bektic takes on Dan Ige. Bektic is a minus 135 favorite. Ige can be had for plus 115. What's your take here? Okay, this is why I love this show, because it's just me and you having a conversation between the two of us, so I'm going to put it to you straight, Paul. Are we off the Mirsad Bektic bandwagon? I mean, this guy comes to the UFC. He's 23 years old. He thrashes up Chaz Skelly. Good performance. Chaz Skelly is older. Chaz Skelly can wrestle. Chaz Skelly can grapple. Chaz Skelly's got decent striking. Mirsad Bektic looks awesome. He's 23. Did he thrash him? Well, he didn't thrash him, but it was... That was a, pretty competitive. But, right, right, but it's a, it's, a, it's a UFC debut, right, against an established guy who had torn up the regional scene. Bektic mm-hmm. comes out of left field. He's 23 years old. Skelly was something like 28. And he, he officially puts himself on the map. Since then, he's averaged, like, one fight a year. He had, like, one fight in 2016, one in 2017, two in 2018, one in 2019. We've seen him... We've seen him... Get knocked out. Darren Elkins, he's putting a beating of a lifetime on Darren Elkins. Yeah, Elkins comes back. His last fight, uh, very uninspiring. He's got all the skills. He left American Top Team, goes to TriStar, has not made any improvements, or at least anything significant since going to TriStar. He head to Rufus Sport. <clears throat> oh, jeez. <laughs> he's, he's always battled injuries. They said he's kind of a head case. And he's taking on a guy in Dan Ige, who you can get a very nice little price tag on a plus 115 here, who matches up very well with him. He can wrestle. He can grapple. Probably a, a better striker. Spends, he can go three rounds. Spends a ton of time with my boy, Habib. You know who he's hanging out with. You know he's hanging out. Like, <laughs> what? Like, Mursad Bektic may have a better uh, collegiate wrestling, but what we've seen from Ige and who he trains with and stuff, like, he's going to be ready for that. Guy's on a f- four-fight win streak. I question, here's, here's the thing about Bektic, and maybe this is why he only fights once every, every year. Yeah. I think he's got serious dur- durability issues. Yeah, I, fair, fair. Darren Elkins fair. doesn't knock out really anybody, and he knocked him, like, clean out uh, after absolutely taking a thrashing for two rounds. The like, damage. 10-8, 10-8, knocked out. Yeah. And then Emmett, Emmett hits like a shit brick house. Yeah, These yeah. things happen in MMA, but I think there's probably a reason why this guy doesn't fight. Maybe it's the same reason why my boy uh, Gregor Gillespie, we found out last fight that 
Maybe he just can't take it. And maybe that's why these guys don't fight that often. Because if you get like three knockout losses in a row, you're out of the organization. You're not getting any of the sponsorships and all the other things that go in, go hand in hand with being a UFC. Yeah, player. hey, that's fair. Yeah, I, I, I hear you there. And it's one of these cases where I know he has battled the injuries. And when they say he's a head case, it's like, what do you mean by that? It's like, maybe it's a confidence issue. On the outside looking in, we look at this guy and I'm like, holy shit. He's very marketable in the sense that He'd be good for the European market, but he's he's built like a god. He's a good-looking guy. He can wrestle. He can strike. The Elkins fight, it's like, oh, dude, you know what? Hopefully this is a gut-check performance for him and that he learned from it. And then after the Elkins fight, <clears throat> Godofredo Pepe, it's like, okay, that's, that's, that's the UFC giving you a layup here and getting you back on track. The Ricardo Lamas fight, he didn't look good. He wins no. a split decision, but he didn't look good. The Emmett fight, he gets starched outside in, in one round. He gets hit. Big-time knockouts. It's like, damn, he got hit hard here. So now he's 28. He's not that 23-year-old prospect that we thought was going to contend for a title. He's nowhere near title contention. He's 28 years old. He's moved to a couple different camps. The skill set hasn't really improved. That's why I'm asking you is like, do we still think like, oh, damn. No, I'm off. Right, right. And it's it's different with like. I like you get here. With with Justin Scoggins, because it's like, that was another one. I know, I know. I just had to to bring it up. I know. At least when you watch him, it's like, at least when you watch him, it's still like, Damn, dude, this guy's talented. Oh, he's tapping, right? But the skill is still visibly there. Yeah. This guy's not shot. He's not over the hill. It's just like nothing's been refined. If he strikes for too long, he'll get clipped. Once he gets clipped, it's over for him. Just game plan goes out the window. He can take you down, but he can't hold you down. And there becomes the problem here. Like you said, better collegiate wrestling than Dan Ige. Yes, but worse jiu-jitsu. So even if he does take him down, Ige's going to be able to scramble. Once they get back up, Ige just keeps throwing and throwing and throwing and keeps going. That last fight against Kevin Aguilar, great example. It's like, Dan, this guy's making massive improvements. He's managed by the greatest manager in MMA history. He sets all of his guys up for these nice fights. He's got Khabib in his corner. He's... On the top of his game, and he is an underdog. So, whereas John Jones a big favorite, what are you gonna do? Valentina is a massive favorite. What are you gonna do? Juan Adams is considerably he's a moderate sized favorite, yep. and that one's dangerous. It's like let's get a dog here. So, I- I'm gonna say maybe I'm not fully off the Bechtich bandwagon, but they the, the UFC is they did him no favors here, and I think he gave surprises some people if he hasn't already. And I'm more, I'm willing to take the dogger pass on this one. Yep, same here. All right, next one up is just like, what are you doing to my boy here? I don't know why he's fighting at heavyweight. But we have Derek Lewis taking on Alir Latifi. I mean, if you want to bet Latifi, and I'm not, we're not even there yet, but just wait until the weigh-ins happen because when people see the size difference, like what, uh, Alir lists himself as like 5'10", but he's probably no, like... No, he's 5'8", 5'8 yeah, and a half. He's probably like 5'7". I'm 5'8 five, and a half, let me he's tell you. Like he's five, probably like 5'7", and, and Derek Lewis is 6'4", massive, like cuts weight to get down to 265 a lot of the times. Alir was incredibly undersized for fighting at 205 pounds. Now he's taking on Derek Lewis. He's minus 275 favor for Lewis, plus 235 Latifi. Like, I appreciate the cojones, the stones of my boy, the sledgehammer, to take this fight. But, like, what are we doing here? Remember that picture, Ilya Latifi, in all of his glory, riding the horse? And he's jacked. And he's and he's the, on the other horseback. one of him on top of a of a Tyrannosaurus Rex. Well, I'm going back to the horse one. In that picture, it's like, damn, this guy is jacked. He's huge. He is. But even in that picture, the most glorious picture of all time, even in that picture, 
comparatively, he's small to, compared to the horse. Derek, Derek Lewis, Lewis is the size, is the size of the horse. Of the horse. Exactly, yeah. Okay? So he's giving up a fucking lot of size. Now, here's a quick question for all the fans out here. Without you Googling it, with ever anything, just think about it. Name me another 5'8 heavyweight in the UFC. Was there, who was the last guy that was 5'8 that fought at heavyweight in the UFC? And myself, the only one I could think of at the top of my head was Monson, Jeff Monson, who's 5'9 and a good 5'9. He's taller than Ilya Latifi. And do you know why you can't name a 5'8 heavyweight that fights in the UFC or that has fought in the UFC in quite some time? Because they don't exist. And why don't they exist? Because you can't be 5'8 fighting these guys that are 6'3, 6'4. Like, it, everything's going against you. And Latifi struggles with big guys that stand on the outside. They hit him. That eventually pressure him. He's got everything going against him in this fight. And all these Except for one say, thing. And Except all these things thing. being said, because you can go back to, I remember when we were back at Fight Network working together back in the day. Cyril Diabate yeah. was taken yeah, yeah, on yeah, Alir yeah. Latifi. And there were guys around the office being like, well, look how short he is. And we're like, oh, he's going he's gonna to knock out Diabate. But Diabate was on the way out. Was on the way out. Muay Thai specialist. Muay Thai specialist. Four, a little chinny at that point. Yeah, he was like 40. But, but like the in terms of the height disparity, pretty similar. Fair. But Diabate was fighting at 205 yeah, yeah. for that fight. Derek Lewis is that size, but as thick, if not thicker, than, than our boy Latifi. Like, he's giving up probably the most size of any fight I could uh, ever in the UFC. Yeah, and, and like it's, I, I it's almost it's like a sideshow. Like this is a, this feels like it should be taking place in Ryzen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you see, the UFC's got this thing lately where it's like I don't think they really give a shit what's happening on the matchmaking side of it. So it's almost like okay, we have so many guys in this pool. Let's put them in class A, class B, class C, class D. Okay, Latifi wants to move up. Okay, well he was a class B two hundred five er, so he's a class C heavyweight. I don't know if they got Derek Lewis as a class C heavyweight, but that that's what the matchmaking feels like. And when I say that is Jean Volante is a 205-er who just recently, for whatever reason, was like, I'm moving up to 205 as well. Like, realistically, he's probably like 225 pounds. They announced his first fight as well. You know who John Volante's fighting? Ben Rothwell. Why would that make any fucking sense? Ben Rothwell is six foot four and a half, six foot five, 280 pounds. Cuts down to 265. Like, why would you not make him fight a medium-sized heavyweight? Why does he just fight the biggest guy? And that's the thing with Lewis. Lewis tops in as one of the bigger heavyweights in the UFC, taking on what is now effectively the smallest heavyweight in the UFC. So that, that, that is concerning. Now, there's no way... Okay, Lewis has been knocked out by fluke punches in the past. I mean, Sean Jordan caught him with that little kick. Matt mm-hmm. Mitrione knocked him out. We have seen him get knocked out. But out, barring just a crazy Ilya Latifi overhand right that hits this guy, I don't see the knockout happening. So now Ilya Latifi does have massive wrestling advantage. Derek sure. Lewis cannot wrestle to save his life. So I could see Latifi scoring in takedown, but there's two things here. He can't there's hold two him things down, there. Yeah. One, he cannot hold him down. Two, it's going to take a lot more out of Ilya Latifi taking Derek Lewis down mm. and than trying it to will, maintain position for against Lewis. a monster like this. Yeah, than it will for Derek Lewis to yeah. get back up. Now, Lewis is like uh, pretty notorious for knee injuries. He got that knee fixed. I guess he didn't have an ACL for a long time. Fought for a world title, apparently, on one knee. His last fight against Blagoy... Wow, what a bad fight. But again, that's him off knee surgery. You have to assume if he is in better shape, the knee did hold up. He would have had a better camp. He at least got three rounds under his belt. Him coming back, yeah, I, I, I see no reason not to have Derek Lewis. Derek Lewis at 275 is realistically 35 points. 
45 points, sorry, more than one Adams. Mm -hmm. But it's like you feel so good about Lewis, and why would you feel good about one I mean, Latifi is a better opponent than Justin Taffa, but when when you factor in... At 205, Yeah, exactly. When you factor in the size, it's like... yeah. And we're in Texas, Houston, Texas, the home of who? Derek Lewis. The hometown it's fight. Set, He's actually so the. Set up. It's, it's so completely set up, set up for him it's to so win. Set up for him to win. Yeah, they yeah. want him to win there. Yeah, like yeah, he's. Yeah. So yeah. his balls will be and, hot, and, and the whole local crowd. Like, he's pretty well-known, and he was helping when there was Hurricane Harvey and stuff. Yeah. He's well-known yeah, in the community. Sure. Like, he's been to uh, Houston Texans games. He does a lot of and, charity like, work, too. He does a lot of stuff in the community. He's loved in Houston, Texas. He is the local guy that they're trying to put yeah. shine on on this card. You know what? And, and thank you for reminding me that, because I, I was thinking all week, like, why does this Juan Adams fight even make sense? It's like, yeah, Juan Adams is from Texas as well. He's a local guy. Tafa's debut, he's Australian, was in Australia. They tried to set him up with one. He just failed because he's no good. Yep. They have no other use for this guy until they go back to Australia. That could be a while. So what do you do? Ship him over for another guy's homecoming. And, and, and I, I'm more sold on Juan Adams. You're right. Not that that really makes a difference because this is not going to the scorecards, but it's like they gave him the best possible guy they could, and it, you, I, I can't be sold as tough as a dog. Ilir Latifi, could I be sold as him as a dog? No, no. I could see him winning the first round, but he has, doesn't have great cardio, mostly because he muscles everything. His striking is not good enough to beat Derek Lewis for 15 minutes just striking, and he's giving up so much size. It's pretty ridiculous. 275 is probably going to get bigger than that as well, so consider dropping, getting a... We're doing this in a way in advance, so maybe yep. this is one of those lines that people are like, I never saw 275, unless it doesn't move. Who the fuck knows? But I, I, think that's, I think it's pretty generous considering I don't see many pass for Ilir. Could win the first round, and then after that, it's like... Lewis is one of those guys that doesn't need... Even if Lewis was to lose two rounds, he, d- he doesn't need any more... As soon as Latifi gets tired and puts his hands down, and that's what we've been seeing lately from him, as soon as he does that, he's fucked. Yeah, it's going to happen at some point. So Derek yeah, Lewis is the play. I don't like it. It might happen bit. in the first, it might happen in the second, it might happen in the third, but it's going to happen. Yeah, Austin Lingo taking on Yusuf Zalal. No odds for this one. Um, from the limited tape study I've done on this... I mean, Austin Lingo looks like a GPP fighter. The guy comes forward, and he's just throwing, like, aggressive hooks and, and strikes. The Zalau guy, I forget the name of his opponent. He took on some, like, 5-5 five and five guy who, like, shot him for a takedown. He hits him with a knee. And then, like, in the scramble to, like, get back to his feet because he didn't completely knock him out. Like, the, on the break, this kid absolutely just takes a – he gets clipped pretty good behind the ear, kind of stumbles him a little bit. From what I've watched, this lingo, I don't really understand how Zalal ended up with a spot on a UFC card. Whereas Lingo, I could see him hanging around the organization. I feel like Lingo should smash here. I'm not sure what the odds are even going to be when it gets released. And what is DraftKings pricing or any of that. But this will be a fight that I'll be targeting on DraftKings. And Lingo will be the guy I'll be looking at. What about you? Yeah, I don't know what the, the line's going to be as well. Keep in mind that they announced this fight today and we're doing the show today. But it's set up for Austin Lingo again. I mean, this is great matchmaking if you're from Texas because they're getting a lot of favorable matchups. But Austin Lingo is from Fortis MMA. And he's not the LFA champ, but he's their number one contender at 145 mm. pounds. His last fight, he actually headlined for them, LFA 73, Lingo versus Hadley. And he knocked out Solo Hadley in 25 seconds. So he's already headlining LFA fights at 145 pounds in line for a title shot. We all know that's the golden ticket. And because they're they're scrambling, shit, this card fell from 12 fights to 10 fights on hardly no notice. They're scrambling. We need to to put something on. We got this local guy. 
He's undefeated. He's from Fortis, which is just lighting the game on fire right now. Perfect. He's got all the skills in the world. Perfect. So they match him up with Yusuf Zalal. Now, I, I didn't mind Zalal. He's a factory ex-Muay Thai guy out of Denver. And he's, he's a good striker. The problem is, is he seems like he's one of those strikers that grew up uh, mostly being the hammer. And he didn't really learn how to defend himself. Now, mm-hmm. I know a lot of boxers. Uh, even like guys like Sam Vargas, who's a local guy. Like These guys can put it on you. Problem is, is that they don't particularly move their heads. Like They're there to get hit. That's his problem. Now, you bring up a great point <clears throat> with that Jamie Hernandez fight. Is that he didn't look good against a limited opponent. On an LFA, he, he was like not the prelims, but like he wasn't high up on the main card, and he got that knee. He was on a two-fight losing streak. And you're thinking of Kalen Williams, who took on Jeremy Her- or Jeremy uh, Holloway. This is y- Yusuf Zalali fought Jamie Hernandez. Oh, sorry. My yeah, bad. no, 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 it's all good. Um, but 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 looking at his record here, right? He fights his last four fights are for LFA. I think his, the guy I was thinking about his last name started with an M. You've got the thing in front of you. And M. Five and five. M. N. M. M. Yeah, I mean, I see Steve. I mean, I'm not looking at your screen. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, five and three, Steve Merrill. Yeah, he's now five and five, who has lost his two. Next is, two. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, lost his next two. He submits him. Didn't look great. The Jose Mariscal fight. Mariscal was eight and three. Uh, Mariscal has lost his last two fights since then. Has not looked good. He lost that one by unanimous decision. Then he fought Matt Jones, career journeyman. Lost a split decision to Matt Jones. So he's on a two-fight losing streak, and then he caught Jamie Hernandez with that flying knee, right? hasn't looked all that good has looked fairly limited and they're throwing him in there maybe he's he's one and two in his last three fights all of a sudden he's got a ufc contract it's crazy he's gonna go to texas he's gonna take on the local texas four to seven may fighter who seemingly has all the skills and if you want any more than that based on like what i can offer you at this current pr- time last two things you're you're you you could have Austin Lingo, who's physically headlining LFA cards, okay, mm-hmm. at 145 pounds where he's their number one contender. Or you could have Yusuf Zalal, who's fighting on LFA mid-range cards at 135 pounds. His last fight was a catchweight of 140 because he wasn't able to make weight. Now he's coming up to 145 against a guy that legitimately fights at 145. I mean, the reason why ah, man, Zalal right, got I don't know what the line card. is. I don't know what the line is. It might be a bad line and I tell you pass, but I would say Lingo's my blood. Yeah, Zalal got the got on this card because there's probably not many 145 pound guys that are willing to take on Austin Lingo on such short notice. Well, I mean, if you were one and two, seeing your dream slip away and the UFC called you, you'd be like, "Come on, man, stop pranking me!" But then you'd be like, "Holy shit, you'd fight anybody, yeah, anybody, because you know you're gonna get another fight out of it." Same thing with Junior Taffa, right? Junior mm-hmm. Taffa, Justin Taffa. Sorry, yeah, yeah sorry. Should he have taken the fight? Well, I guess Jorgen Castro is not a super menacing opponent. But all the same, it's like, dude, I'm only 3-0. You know what? This is an opportunity you don't pass. So Mm -hmm. you take it, and you go and you fight. It is what it is. In this case, yeah, I'm just going to... I've never heard of this guy, he's probably thinking, unless he knows him from LFA. But it's not like this is a big household name. It's not like this is a guy that's smoking everybody out there and making a huge name for himself, although he, he looks like he could be that guy. Uh, it's not a favorable matchup. He's given up size. He's giving up the hometown turf. He's given up the physical skill set. He's given up all that. And I would say Austin Lingo was probably told, keep ready in case there's an injury on the card. You're local. You're from Fortis. Stay in shape. That's why he's not saying, I need a catch weight. I'm a 45 or taking on short notes. I need to move up. He's ready to go. Whereas this other kid is coming up a weight class because he's not ready to go. Mm-hmm. All the cards are in Lingo's favor. I just don't know the line. So that's, that's about that. Yep. We got Trevin Giles taking on Antonio Arroyo. Giles, minus 135. Arroyo, 
plus 115 you got here. Yeah, this is like actually a case of two guys I've shown some respect to in the past that just like shit my apple pie. Like, I don't know what it is. In Trevin Giles' case, it's like he never fought great guys to begin with, so it's hard to say that he was, you know, some great prospect. It's just, man, he gasses out so goddamn fast in his fights. He doesn't really throw a whole lot. If he doesn't knock you out, kind of like the wheels fall off his game plan. Just trying to bring up his last couple here so we can have it right on point. But, yeah, it's like it's like Giles is a power puncher, has a little bit of takedown defense, doesn't have great cardio. He's one of these Texas guys, but whatever. I mean, maybe they're trying to get him back on track. He is a former LFA champ. He has some good fights in LFA, Ryan Spann, whatever. Comes to UFC 2-2. Two and two. The two wins, bad fights. I mean, James Boknovic. Should have never been there. Mm-hmm. The fight with Antonio Braga Nito. He won. He finished him late, but it was a very sloppy fight. And Nito had been off for like four Producer years, Arab's, man. Producer uh, <laughs> favorite fight? Yeah, favorite yeah, Favorite yeah. fighter. He was so shocked. Great jiu-jitsu, by the way. He still does jiu-jitsu now. He's really fat now, though. Um, but I was like, it wasn't a great performance. The mm-hmm. Zach Cummings fight, I'm in on him. He tires really fast. He could have potentially still won that fight, even though it was slipping away from him. And then he gets dropped and submitted with the guillotine choke. So yep. it's like, okay, he, he tired, he got floored, he got submitted. That's like the trifecta of things that you don't want in a guy when you're moving forward to bet them. Dumb, dumb me bets them because he draws Gerald Mearshart. Mearshart's not physically strong enough to take this guy down. And if he can't take him down, he can't, he's not going to submit him if he doesn't take him down. And he's not going to strike with him. Fair enough. Okay. The thing is, is that Mearshart's got a great gas tank. And this guy doesn't. So you push a pace on him and he just breaks. That's his problem is that he breaks when you put the pace on him. Arroyo, Arroyo is pretty one-dimensional with the grappling game. He would require him to take this fight to the ground. I don't think he's physically strong enough, nor does he have the, the wrestling to take him down. But does a world exist where he just tires him out and Giles' shit goes down south? They yeah, end up yeah, against yeah. the side of the cage and he kind of just wrestles or he just kind of drags him down? Yeah, or eventually, you know, the guy's tired. He throws a kick. Grabs a leg. He, the he, dr- he trips a little bit. Yeah, and the problem with these guys is, like, they'll stuff five takedowns and, like, that one shitty little trip that works, it's like they're too tired to now explode and get back up. So they just accept the position. And once mm-hmm. they accept the position, things don't go their way. Now, Arroyo, when Arroyo fought in the contender series against Steven Regman, he, he looked okay, got the submission, and it kind of showed me he's a fairly dimensional, one-dimensional grappling guy, but he's a good athlete, and he's got a developing striking skill set. So now he makes his UFC debut against Andre Munez. Now, I'm tape studying this, and Munez is very one-dimensional with his grappling. His wrestling is nothing to write home about. This guy can, Arroyo can wrestle. He's a, he's a better striker. He'll keep the fight standing. He'll strike with this guy. Man, he was just taken down at will. And mm-hmm. he gave just the absolute worst account of himself against Andre Munez that I'm officially not labeling him a grappler now. He does not want to grapple. So now he's getting a fight against Trevin Giles where at least he won't have to grapple. Unless he decides to, you know, throw it. But I, I'm not sold on him as a grappler. He's going to have to now strike with Trevin Giles. And his striking don't look like anything to write home about. If he has a better gas tank, he can make this greasy. But Trevin Giles, even though he's giving up late finishes, or even though he's getting tired and his game's just falling off the wheels late, he's young enough that he can make some improvements. He's getting this hometown effort. And as long as he goes out there and gives a decent account of himself for the first couple of rounds, he'll squeak out some shitty split decision. 135 is a great price tag on him because, truthfully, I thought he'd be, he seemingly has a better skill set. He is at home. Two-fight losing streak I could do without, but he's taking on a guy that's 0-1 in the UFC. Eh, yeah, I would expect a better price, like maybe, maybe 145, 155. So 135 is tempting. But he's just, when you don't have a gas tank, you don't have submission defense, and maybe you're a tad bit suspect in the chin department, very hard to put your hard-earned money on the guy. Mm-hmm. So the, the smart play would probably be the pass. But I, I, I do think Trevin Giles gets the victory here. 
We got Alex Morono taking on Kaylin Williams. Alex Morono and him do not, because this is, uh, it was supposed to be Diego Lima yeah. versus Morono. Which all Texas uh, fight would have been fun. Williams coming in on very, very short notice. Another guy with um, not the uh, most amount of tape that you could actually watch. I was trying to watch a couple fights before, and a lot of them were from his amateur days. And like because he's from Michigan, those guys in Michigan, they have Ooh, it looks absurd like a absurd number of amateur fights. Like yeah. you're, these guys are not getting paid, but they've got like twenty. These guys in Michigan get nope, like twenty no year amateur fights before they even ever go pro. No like, headgear, no shin guards. Yeah, it's basically <laughs> it's, it's a pro literally fight. pro MMA. Yeah. yeah, you're not paying your and shit. And they're like, "Hey, it's six ounce glove," and you're like, "The difference is very, very." Yeah, that guy's still very concussed as well, yeah. he's been knocked out. Yeah, your your shin physically had no protection whatsoever. So yeah, no, I, I hear you. Not he's, sure what they're gonna line this at, but um, I mean, Morona's on a three fight winning streak. Ever since uh, meeting the death touch of Nico Price. And um, I think he has more paths to victory. We are also in Texas, so this goes to the judges' scorecards. Giddy up. Of course, Kalen Williams probably could land a big bomb on him, but uh, I think Alex Morono gets the job done here. Uh, I'd be interested to see the price. I have no idea how they're going to price this fight, but Alex Morono is the pick, Um, especially... Uh, he could he could really take advantage of some grappling holes in Williams's game as well. Uh, what's your take here? Yeah, yeah, uh, it's it's a short notice offering for sure. Diego Lima versus Alex Morono would have been real fun because Diego Lima is a striker. Morono can strike, but mostly you'd think he'd try to get that fight to the ground, and he's always giving it his full effort. Yeah, fun fight. Now you're getting Kalen Chaos the Ox Fighter. That's actually his name. The Ox K- Fighter. Well, it's Chaos the Ox Fighter. Even SureDog lists it as Chaos the Ox Fighter. Topology lists it as Chaos slash the Ox Fighter. Uh, local Michigan guy, like if you're local to the scene, I suppose he's local. But I don't know him, and I know a lot of Michigan guys. And I noticed that he's fighting on those WXC Warrior Wednesday cards. They're on Fight Pass. So if you want to tape study this guy, like his last number of fights are on Fight Pass, just go to the WXC events. But he's fighting outside of Jeremy Holloway. He's fighting, like, very limited competition. Uh, he fought my boy Tony Hervey this year, like, earlier this year. But Tony Hervey, 17-20, and 20, so far gone from, like, his prime days. Since then, a couple small victories over guys with losing records. And then Jeremy Holloway at least is a Bellator veteran. Jeremy Holloway at least is a guy that's at a, at a mid-level, and he gets the decision over Jeremy Holloway and not some type of spectacular fight. When you look at the tape on him, he seems to be very raw. He moves forward. He swings bombs. If you're going to be that type of brawling fighter, you're going to be that type of Mike Perry, you need big power. And he doesn't have that big power. Mm-hmm. Like, the, he went PJ uh, Kajahas, but I don't know how you pronounce it. The guy was 7-7. Seven and seven. The fight went the distance. Tony Hervey was 17-20. and 20. The fight went the distance. His last fight against Jeremy Holloway, who's the first guy that actually had semblance of a skill set, fight went the distance. So, and by the way, Hervey's not a 170. I mean, that was a big mismatch there. So it's like, ah, you know what? I don't think he's the type of brawler that's going to go out and clip Morono, and that's the way he's going to have to beat Alex Morono. And when we say clip Morono, it's like one guy, to our knowledge, we didn't watch that fight where he lost prior to coming to the UFC, but like outside of him getting melted by literally seemingly the finest power puncher I've ever seen in my life, Nico the fucking hybrid price, guy has the touch of death, Outside of him getting melted that one time, like his chin does hold up. Mm-hmm. He's a BJJ black belt, decent BJJ black belt. His cardio checks out. He I can mean, swing bombs I too. I don't believe w- w- there was a fight. Berkman? Yeah. So <laughs> I don't believe that 
That was right after he got melted. Yeah, but his BJJ black belt, it's not, it's not a selling point for me. It's not a selling point for me when I consider, you know what? Alex Morono is not fighting the, the best of the best, but no. Alex Morono also shows fights with Keita Nakamura, who's just like super durable, the most experienced guy. J- fucking Jordan Mean. Jordan Mean had 32 pro fights. Berkman had a ton of fights himself. But Kanan Song, or Song Kanan, right? Nah, people were de- decent on him as like a building up Chinese prospect. He beats him. Zach Otto. Zach Otto, just a journeyman, whatever. Smoked J- Zach Otto out. The way you smoke out a journeyman that's not on your level did exactly yep. that to him. Whereas if Zach Otto took a fight with Kalen Williams, it would most certainly either go to decision or Zach Otto would actually be competitive, this guy, in my personal opinion. And then the fight with Max Griffin, it's like Max Griffin's a guy making a name for himself. He's long, rangy. He's yep. young enough. He trains at a good camp. He's making improvements. It's like Morono is, he, he's a gatekeeper, but he's the kind of gatekeeper that you want. You know, he, he's going to give a young prospect rounds. He's going to give a savvy veteran a fucking ass kicking. And mid-range guys, he's a great litmus test for them. Yep. But this guy's not, a, he's not a rising prospect. He's got an okay looking record, but he's not at that level. I don't, again, I don't know the, the, the odds, but I would say Morono's the one thing. There's always a one thing with me. You know that. The one thing is like, Morono tends to fight to his opponent's level, mm-hmm. and he's also been known to brawl. And it's entirely possible that he's like, he's at home, he's in front of the Texans fans, he wants to put on a show, but he has a full camp, so he's more prepared to put on a show than this guy who's probably thinking, shit, Daquan made the UFC, so can I. And I'm just going to go out and bomb him. I'm with just six here minutes. to collect 12 yeah, grand. Yeah. I won't give him the opportunity to Bavon Lewis me against the fence for three rounds. I- I'm just going to try to wing bombs for six minutes and get my follow-up fight with a full camp down the road. We got Andrea KGB Lee taking on Lauren Murphy. Andrea Lee minus 340. Lauren Murphy plus 280. I feel like every time Andrea Lee fights, I don't think person. I've ever bet her. Well, it's, it's, they her make prices it, they, are they always very, tempting. very big. I, I yeah. faded her last time out against jo, JoJo Calderwood. Um, that one worked out. But every other time, yeah, she's like minus 300, minus 400. They make it very difficult. But Lauren Murphy is not exactly a world-class athlete. But, hey, fool, fool's on me because last time out, she got a, a second-round finish. Absolute, like, knockout, which I never really saw coming. Well, I don't think she did either. That's why they call her um, Lucky She's a grinder. Murphy. Andrea Lee, she's definitely going to have a speed advantage over top of Lauren Murphy here. Power, grit. I mean, it could get dicey. I don't want to lay minus 340 on Andrea Lee. I can tell you that much. What about you? Yeah, I think the UFC kind of dropped the ball on the Andrea Lee uh, fight here. It's actually kind of a fun fight, and it should be on the main card. I say that because, like, Andrea Lee's a very pretty girl. She's from Texas. I mean, well, Louisiana, but she spent a lot of time in Texas. She's going to have a good little following out there. Um, she's coming off the one loss, but, like, this is the kind of person you throw on the main card. It looks good. Instead, you got Juan Adams versus Justin Taffa. Like, they combined for 0-3 in their last three. The Lewis fight, he's from Texas, and he's just such a fan favorite you have yeah, to have on. That's, that's a pay-per-view yeah, yeah. opener if I've ever yeah, seen Yeah, that's, 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 that's fantastic stuff. But, like, comparatively speaking, it's like I, I could see them slipping this on just to give them a little bit of airtime. They Instead, may actually slot this buried. one up to, like, the, the feature prelims, prelim? feature prelim. That would that's make, what that I would think sense. they would do. Because, like, right now, based sense. on what it is on topology, Austin Lingo versus Yusuf Zalau is in that order, there's no way that that ends up being the feature prelim. 
Okay, fair. That makes no a lot more. Yeah. No, I just went through. I, I just I just went on Tapology and listed the fights as I see them there. No, that make that makes hundred percent. Because I saw the same thing you did. I saw that's how it was listed, and I'm like, well, I guess they really like this lingo, kid. But like, why would that be your featured prelim? That you have no time to market it. Yeah. It's like, oh, you know what? They probably have some bout order changes to make. Yeah, still. for sure. Okay. So all that aside, it's like I do have Andrea Lee. I think that she's the stronger fighter. I think it's going to be really hard for Laura Murphy to take her down. And if this ends up being a striking affair, whereas Laura Murphy. She's very gritty. She's very in your face. She's very, you know, durable, so to speak. She's got some, she's not very technical. She's not very smooth, but like there is some upside to her striking. She's largely outgunned here on the strikes. Now, when you look at the Joanne Calderwood fights, like Calderwood largely frustrated Andrea Lee. She gave her a lot of problems. She kind of exposed her a little bit, so to speak. But Lauren Murphy's just not the same Lauren Murphy that she was couple of years ago you know she's 36 years old now her she got into mma late her style is a very grinding style and yeah she did look good against barella in the sense that she put her through a decent little beating and got that late finish but prior to that we were just the the, the opinion is here's a girl that is hard to get along with i mean you saw her on the ultimate fighters it's like none of the coaches want anything to do with her she kind of had an attitude problem then she comes to the ufc loses to she had lost to nico montano on the show Loses to Sinhara Eubanks and just looks very lethargic and then comes back with that win. Like, I can see all the arguments in the world for you don't want no Laura Murphy, but this is an outrageous price tag. 344 Andrea Lee, who I thought in large Lee was kind of exposed, so to speak, in her last fight. Like, she, can she grapple? Yeah, but is she a great grappler? No. no. Even in her Invicta fight, she wasn't a great grappler. Can she strike? Yes. But if Laura Murphy's in her face and she's up against the cage, and Laura Murphy doesn't have to get the takedown. She's just got to be continuously shooting the takedown, and it's going to make it a problem. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah, because of, there's going to be a lot of fan favor towards Andrea Lee, maybe if this is a greasy fight and it goes to decision, then she's going to get the decision. But 340 for yeah. a greasy decision? I want no part of that. No. So I would say I do believe that Andrea Lee should win the fight. I do believe she should be the favorite. I see the path of victory for her. But 340 is a very unappealing price tag. No part pass. of that. No part of that one. We got Miles Johns taking on Mario Batista. Miles Johns minus 135. Mario Batista plus 115. What's your take here? This is a great fight, actually. I, I'm really into this fight. I think that it's a prospect versus prospect. Both guys are 25 years old. Both guys seemingly have a pretty bright future ahead of them. And they're getting paired up on, you know, a, a good, tough little prelim scrap to see who moves ahead. Uh, I think Mario Batista is going to come through here. I got him as another dog play. I think that where both guys kind of match up similarly, I think he's just going to have a little more in the striking department. Now, Miles John has the wrestling advantage. Mario Batista probably has the striking advantage. Normally, I would go with the wrestler. But Johns has problems holding guys down. You saw that in his Cole Smith fight where it's like he didn't look particularly good. Went to Cole Smith's backyard for the fight. Took the fight on short notice. But it's like he can wrestle, but he doesn't particularly hold the guys down great. He doesn't got a great submission game. As far as his striking goes, he can strike, but he kind of lacks a little bit of power, and he's hittable. The more he gets hit, he just starts to wear it a little bit. And I think that's going to be a problem with Mario Batista over time. Batista, they did him no favors. He debuts on short notice against Corey Sanhagen. And, you know, he got armbar. Yeah. Took him down. Might have got armbar. And then his follow-up performance against, like, Jinsu, Jinsu. I, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, Jinsu's yeah. son. Jinsu Sun he him. Also, also got no favors because he debuted against Peter Yan. Yeah. But it's like, holy shit, man. This kid landed like 130 significant strikes. He did get taken down twice, got back up both times. He's good at scrambling. He's out of the MMA lab. He's 25 years old. He's making a lot of improvements. I see a bright future for this kid. And it's, that, it's not that I don't see it with Miles Johns, but I've been exposed to a lot of Miles Johns throughout his like uh, regional show career and now his one fight in the UFC. And it's like the skills there, but it's one of those... He, he's, a, he's an athletic wrestler boxer who on paper 
you know, is a great athlete and is going to go places. But like deep down, when this becomes a greasy scrap, I, I don't think he's going to be the one that pulls ahead. Now, I've probably sounded like a fool telling you on this card, oh, man, you're going to want... You're going to want Juan Adams. He's, he's the Texas guy. You're going to want Derek Lewis, the Texas guy. You're going to want Lingo, the Texas guy. You're going to want Trevin Giles, the Texas guy. You're going to want Alex Morono, the Texas guy. Andrea Lee's Louisiana, but she's going to have a lot of faithful there, and I do got Lee. It's like, fuck, that that that, that theory's out the window here. I, I think that Batista does enough to either beat him on the scorecards, probably has to rely. I think it's going to go three. He's going to mm-hmm. have to win it on the scorecards. He's going to have to do more than a squeaky split decision. But I, I feel like they match up similar. But he, he, he's got a slightly better advanced skill set. He's got a slightly better striking skill set. He's got a slightly better, I don't want to say cardio, but just like his durability is better. So if this does become a scrap, he should hold up. It's kind of like that Arnold Allen fight. Or which fight was it on the weekend? It was just like a back and forth grappling match. Oh, it was, uh, god damn it. Ah, well, forget it. Anyways. Allen versus Lentz was not really a back no, and no, forth. No, no, no. That's why, that's why as soon as I said Arnold Allen, Allen, I was like, no, that was no takedowns in that fight. Uh, man, I'm just, we watched so many fights, it's just like, I gotta check it now, because it's seriously bugging me, but, if it becomes a fight where it's just like a war of attrition, you're going back and forth, it's gonna come down to who's gonna be able to pull out in those, like, deeper moments, and then I, I feel like that's where Batista's gonna shine. It'd be a very competitive first round, the second round should be competitive, but he should start to pull it out, and then the third round, he'll do enough to pick up that 29-28, and then just because this is bugging me, and I gotta get it out. Now I've gotta know, too. Yeah, I know, I know, and as soon as I say it, I'll be like, man, I'm such an idiot, but... Uh, I'm rolling right past events. Let's see. Last card was Blaze Dos Santos, and the fight was Brett Johns versus Tony Gravely. So it's Grappler versus Grappler, and Gravely has the wrestling advantage. He's a collegiate wrestler. He's got great yeah. cardio. He's got all of that. Brett Johns, he's the has judo the guy. actual uh, submission skill advantage, well, actual submission and, and jujitsu advantage. He had the judo advantage. He had the the jujitsu advantage. Let's say like Gravely that was, had that the was pretty advantage. severe. Once they yeah, once they got to the mat. But did you see the pace on that fight? Yeah. It was like it was reckless. It was Sakuraba versus Carlos Newton. It was fucking intense. And it was like they just kept so entertaining, man. Like that's why that's why MMA is the best, the best because of grappling exchanges like that. It was intense, but that was like a test of wills. It's like you're trying to break the guy. And it's not that Tony Gravely, he's a 25-fight veteran. It's not that he doesn't have cardio. It's not that he doesn't have wrestling. It's not that he doesn't have all these things. It's like they matched up similar. In the first two rounds, super competitive. But in the third rounds, Johns broke him, took him down, submitted him. That rear naked choke, he had tried that rear naked choke a pile of times in the fight. Mm-hmm. Didn't come close. In the third round, he broke him. He got the rear naked choke. I, I don't know that Batista is going to finish Miles Johns, but I think there's going to be a breaking point in this fight for either fighter, and I think Batista comes out on the flip side of that. We got Domingo Pilarte taking on Journey Newsom. Uh, Pilarte minus one forty. Newsom plus one twenty. Pilarte lost to Felipe Calares, who you will remember from last week. The most legendary chin of all. Time. Yeah, that guy. That guy just doesn't die. I was nuts. He I does not have very like much talent or have, skill. But- but against Domingo Pilarte, he was able to win most of the grappling exchanges. And when he does get hit, yeah, yeah. we saw against Montel Jackson, who was considerably better than Domingo Pilarte, um, that Jesus, that kid can just take an absolute thrashing. I haven't put too very, very much thought into this matchup, to be perfectly honest. Um, I know that I've got a real sour taste in my mouth from having Pilarte on parlays. From at, at 325. <laughs> 325 <laughs> against Kolaris <laughs> and him absolutely yeah. shitting in the apple pie. So yeah. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm a hard guy to get the, the trust back from. Um, maybe you have an idea here, or have you even looked into this fight all that much? Yeah, I've actually flipped on this fight we're, twice. We're and doing that's, this that's a little bit earlier than usual. No, so. I know, I know. I've, I've flipped on this fight twice, and that's why it's probably going to be end up being a pass to me. Maybe I could still make that argument for dogger pass, but the thing is, is that both guys got a good path to victory. One guy just let you down for 325, so you can't have too much faith. But, I mean, also, Journey Newsom hasn't really shown off a ton of his skills. Like, you didn't really get a great account of him in his UFC debut. Versus Domingo Pilarte, who won that Contender Series fight, and then in his UFC debut, probably didn't give a great account of himself as well, right? So it's like both guys are kind of at a, at a, a strange point in their careers. They're both 30. Neither of them are going to be world beaters. Pilarte's super big. He's super long. And... Uh, He's hittable. That's like the one thing I've got to say that it's going to be an issue for him is that if the fight stays standing, he kind of leaves his chin up there. On his fight, so going into the, the Contender Series fight, he wins on LFA, split decision win in LFA, comes against Vince Morales on the Contender Series. In that first round, dude, this guy's southpaw, big left hand. He's lighting up Vince Morales like nothing. Vince Morales, team alpha male guy. In the late, maybe like midway through the first, He's just, his hands are down, his head's up, and he's reckless. And he walks right into a big Vince Morales shot, and he gets buckled. He gets dropped initially, and then from that point on, Vince Morales takes over and kicks his ass the rest of that first round. You can score the first round either way. It's the tale of two, one round, really. He's like, one guy kicked the one guy's ass for two and a half minutes. The other guy came back and kicked his ass for two and a half minutes. In the second round, it's very competitive until eventually he tries to take him down. He doesn't want to strike anymore. His left eye's swelling up shut. He's got a cut. He tries to shoot a takedown. Can't get the fight to the ground. Catches a kick. Fight gets the ground, gets the rear naked choke. Fun fight. Glad he got a contract. This guy's going to be entertaining. Bring him to the UFC. You give him a fight against Corrales. Corrales is already 0-1 in the UFC. He's a 325 favorite, Pilarte is. You can still make an argument that Pilarte did win that fight. Ultimately, he lost a split decision. It, it, it wasn't... The first round, he loses, right? He just... He's getting outstruck, and whenever Corrales wants him up against the fence, it's like so effortless. He's so tall and lank, he's not strong. Mm-hmm. Right up against the fence. When the fight does hit the ground... He's transitioning. He's getting some scrambles. He's getting he's getting reversals. He's getting sweeps. He's trying submissions. And then in the second round, more of the same, close round. In the third round, he wins for sure. He's got but he's he's got um, crosses back for like four minutes, but he can't submit him. So it's like he, not that he gave a bad of account of himself. The problem is is that I go back to the fact that he was very hittable against Vince Morales. And the thing with Jeremy Newsom is it's easy to fade Newsom and be like, man, what, what this guy got? That Ricardo Ramos fight took on short notice. This kid's a wrestler boxer, right? Or not a wrestler boxer. He started training at six years old. He's a boxer. His dad used to be a pro boxer, right? This kid starts doing jiu-jitsu, boxing, taekwondo at six. Then he goes through a bunch of group homes, has a rough life, finally finds MMA. You watch him now, it's the same three things. He's got good hands. He's got good power in his hands, fundamentally good boxing. He still got this taekwondo background where he'll throw spinning shit. When he does kick, it's a lot of flashy kicks. And he's a brown belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. He's a well-rounded cookie-cutter fighter. Cookie-cutter is not going to win you a title. Cookie-cutter is not going to get you a second and third contract in the UFC. But cookie-cutter could be effective if the other guy's lacking skills. And the one thing with Jeremy Newsom is he's got big power in his hands. So I'm saying pass because I, I started on Pilarte. Uh, Pilarte, he, he can strike. He's long, he's rangy, he's going to peel this guy down and he's going to submit him. But when you watch Newsom versus Ricardo Ramos, he does get taken down a pile of times. And Ramos can, can grapple, Ramos has got good submissions, Ramos can't submit Newsom, Newsom keeps getting back up. Newsom, if, he, if he's able to keep Pilarte standing, and this is just a striking battle, he's going to have opportunities to land that kick. But, uh, that punch, sorry. But going back, it's like Pilarte's the better submission fighter, Newsom's the better striker. Neither guy's particularly a good wrestler, although I give a slight advantage to Pilarte, and he's the minus 140. So... 
see how I'm flip-flopping just right there? Mm -hmm. It's a pass. This is a pass fight. There's better fights to bet on this card. I would say your best course of action is it probably will be entertaining, but just walk away. Andre Ewell versus Jonathan Martinez, minus 140, plus 120. Same exact type of line. Interesting matchup, to say the very least. Uh, Ewell, I don't know of any person that's really... Had more of a, oh, maybe this guy's something than, like, him beating down the corpse of Henan Burrell. Like, that seemed like, oh, maybe this this guy may be something. Then uh, following fights, you're like, ah, it's... Henan Burrell's just dead. Jonathan Martinez opens up his UFC tenure losing to Andre Sukumantas. <laughs> Not a good look. And no. then follows it up with wins over uh, <laughs> Woojli Burin and Ping Wan Lu. It's like his... This is the bottom of the barrel in the UFC that he's beaten up on. Good for him getting the wins over those types of guys. Another fight that um, I don't have a great read on. Andre Ewell, obviously long. Yeah, he's very uh, long for the division. Very long, very, very fast. But I don't know. I really don't have a great take on this fight. I think these early fights in general, like when we get when we move over to DraftKings, these early fights, if this is like the bout order of it, like all three of these ones, Miles Johns versus Oh, Bautista. that fight's sick. No, I know, but like I don't know if you necessarily will be playing a oh, lot of these yeah, early yeah, fights yeah, on DraftKings, yeah, to yeah. be perfectly no, no. honest. I, I, I hear you there. Which will, which will be nice for me not to be drawing dead after like the first couple fights on the card. Uh, do you have a do you have a strong hard take on Martinez or should we move along? You know, I wouldn't say a strong hard take, but yeah, I got the dog here. I got Jonathan Martinez. He's plus one twenty. I think that's a dog play. That uh, I I would I would probably say he would be my dog of the week. Ah, uh, well, Dan Ige plus one fifteen could be the dog of the week. But there's a lot of people on Dan Ige, so he might mush that one. Minus one twenty on Martinez, not too bad. Um, but we'll go through it quickly here. So so. Both guys are kind of at different points, whereas it seems like they're just two middling guys in the UFC that got fights against each other. It's like there's at least a little bit of a story here. Andre Uhl is the beneficiary of a great debut, but he comes into the UFC, he's already 30 years old. He hasn't looked particularly great in the, uh, on the regional scene. He gets sent to Brazil to lose to Henan Burrell, only he doesn't lose to Henan Burrell. He gets the corpse of Henan Burrell. He pulls off the victory in Brazil against Henan Burrell. And now, just like that, it's just like you are a UFC fighter with a big win. And, but, but since then, it's like still limited skill set. He loses to Nathaniel Wood. He beat Anderson Dos Santos, who I'm so low on. It's ridiculous. And then he loses to Marlon Vera. Was finished against Nathaniel Wood by submission. Was finished by Marlon Vera by TKO. Was finished by Nathaniel Wood in the third round. Was finished by Marlon Vera in the third round. Mm-hmm. Doesn't have great cardio. He's now 32 years old. He's 1-2 and two since the Hendon Brow fight. He doesn't fit anywhere in the UFC. All he is is tall, rangy, but doesn't have the power to back it up. Mm-hmm. He can't keep you off him if you want to move forward. Okay, flip side to that, you've got Martinez. Martinez loses his debut. He doesn't have that big, flashy debut, but he's only 25 years old. And when you watch his subsequent performances, yeah, he fights Wuji Burin. Ping Yu. Ping Wan Lu. Yeah, he's a little more impressive. He's training at Team Alpha Male. The fight was in China. He was the favorite. But Martinez can strike. He's a decent striker. He's fast. He's got good cardio. Again, where I'm saying one guy's 32, hasn't been looking good on his way out. This kid's 25, making improvements, looking better. Did you need anything else? Oh, yeah. Plain Reeve, Texas. He's the local guy. Mm-hmm. He's opening the card out, presumably. That's what we have it as. And before all the changes, he, I think it was the opener anyways. 
And uh, I, I, think, I think he gets the victory. I think he can outstrike Andre Uhl standing. The fight likely doesn't go to the ground. He's just going to outwork him. The first round will be competitive. The second round and the third round, I feel like Martinez wins those and either wins a 30-27 or wins a 29-28. But because we roll into the DraftKings portion, even though that'll be quick, we have nothing. If you uh, don't have prices and we have odds and stuff, obviously. Yeah, yeah. It's like... I don't know what Martinez's price at, but like if he's gonna finish Ewell, he's gonna have to push that pace on him for three rounds and finish him late. I mean, and it'll probably be like seventy seven hundred with like eighty if the odds stay similar by the time the DraftKings pricing gets released, he'll probably be in the range of yeah, based on how all this all shakes out. He'll be like seventy seven. Seventy seven hundred and uh Ewell would be like eighty five. Yeah. So Martinez would be the play. Yeah, and, and, the, and the fun thing there, and this is kind of MMA math, which obviously doesn't work, but the, kind, the fun thing there is, like, Ewell lost both of those fights in which he was finished by third-round finish. Jeff Martinez's last fight against Ping Wen Lu. It was a third-round finish. Mm-hmm. It's like he, he can push the type of pace required to break Ewell, and we've seen that happen from Ewell. And do I think Nathaniel Wood's a better fighter than Jonathan Martinez? Yeah. And do, do, I, think, do I think maybe Ewell's been fighting some tougher competition? Yeah. Yeah. But I think the Texas guy, the young Texas prospect who should be making improvements here is going to get the victory over the local California import that's kind of out of it. All right. Let's or sorry, he's from the East Coast, I think. You will. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where he's from. It's just, again, he is he, Riverside, California. Yeah, okay. Yeah, California boy. All right, we'll just rip through these fights from a DraftKings perspective. John Jones will be, this prob- will be the second. Well, likely. We don't have, obviously, odds for Lingo or the Morono fight. But John Jones is going to be over 9K. 91, 92, maybe 94, if you have Shevchenko at, like, 96. Um, are you paying up for John Jones in that spot? Uh, no, 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 no. You, you, you had a sweet bet one time, right? And this is where I learned my lesson. You had a fucking sweet bet one time. It was a parlay. All six legs hit. The seventh one was Jones by decision against OSP, which everybody was like, that's the walk in the park. And all your other legs came through. And, like, he didn't even attempt... He didn't even attempt to do anything remotely close to try to finish that fight. And then you look at his last two fights, and it's like, same thing. Yeah. The, he doesn't have a killer instinct, you know? And, and that, that is not, I don't want, he's going to be such a big price on DraftKings. I don't want that. Valentina Shevchenko, she's going to be a huge price tag, and Caitlin's going to run away Caitlin, the whole time. Caitlin, when she's time. like 8,100, is a bad play. Like, <laughs> yeah, there's, no, there's no, I know that, like, this, even if she goes five, this situation, she's going to be like 66, but it if she goes I guess this would be the one situation. If somehow, by the graces of God, she won a five-round decision, most of the air in front of Valentina's face would be beaten up. Maybe the guy calculating that fight, fight metric gives her a few extra strikes over the course of five rounds. Maybe she would get over 66 points. Like I've never said this before, but maybe if Caitlin Chikagian won, which I don't have any confidence in that happening... This would be the one time that maybe she actually pays off yeah, the price tag. Yeah, who knows? But every other fight, because she's usually like, you know, minus 200, minus 170, that type of thing. And every single time she's like, oh, she's 8,600. There's no way she scores 86 points. There's no way you can roster her. No, no. So but she, Yeah, no, never, never 2K again. So I personally, never 2K again on DraftKings. Like, that's just... I personally avoid I those top two big ones. And, and, and in doing so, you're kind of avoiding the bottom two ones. Because even if uh, we talked about... If Reyes, you avoid the main and the co-main event, especially in that 100, 100K do. to first contest, 
I mean, that probably differentiates you where you can kind of play everybody else. Well, that's the thing is that those are the two big favorites, and then everybody else kind of falls in line. Oh, and here's the extra kicker. The third biggest favorite is presumably going to be Andrea Lee, and like I don't like her either. Yeah. So I'm not going to go target those ones. Now, now here's where things get a little bit greasy is that Juan Adams, even though he's now the fourth biggest favorite, I, I don't like him, but I need exposure to that fight. Yeah. So I'd likely start my roster with Juan Adams, or you know, if you're going to take Toffa, then you start your lineup fantastic. With Derek Lewis. Because you're, yeah, yeah. So now, so now, you, oh yeah, right, right. Sorry, that's the fourth biggest favorite. Then Juan. Adams. So you go with Derek Lewis. You go with Juan Adams. Those are probably your two big plays if you're going to use those guys. We don't know what Lingo is. Lingo could get a finish. Yeah. Martinez could get his that odds late could finish. be bigger than we think at the time of this recording. Yeah, too. and and I, I think Martinez at plus one twenty could score big for you, and he's going to be cheap. Mario Batista at plus 115. This is a cash game. I think, I think you could stack this on a cash game, or I think at the very least, you take just the dog on the cash game. He's going to get you points. There's going to be takedowns, scrambles, significant strikes. I, I think he'll do enough to, to do okay there. On the GPP side of it, I, I, don't, I don't... Even he could win the fight as a dog. Mm-hmm. I don't think he does... Maybe a, I'd have to see the price. You I don't see him scoring like 100 points. And basically... Yeah, but that say, might not matter, like a, man, You need 100 it's... points from most of these underdogs. Uh, especially because these guys are going to be like 80-82-80. Journey Newsom and Pilarte is interesting because both guys got finished potential. I could 100% see Pilarte submitting Jeremy Newsom. I could 100% see Journey Newsom landing some big bomb and knocking out uh, Dominico Pilarte. Even though I don't trust that fight as far as I can throw it, you might want to consider having some type of exposure to it. Morono, if he fights a good game plan, he's got all the skills to get the finish in this one. That one's, that one's also very risque. It just depends if you're playing cash, you're playing GPP, you're playing a big contest. The thing with the contest that we're in is it's like the first, it's three legs to get past that first stage. 180 people start, 160 people make it past the first stage. Mm-hmm. So you don't play a GPP lineup in these because you're not trying to hit a GPP. You're just yeah, I mean, literally I, trying I to I have, beat. and I've been doing terrible. You've been playing GPP. I know you've been playing GPP lineups. Think, but you're now just like, trying to get by the first 20 I'm not in people. the bottom 20. So just I'm play not, a cash game. I'm, 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 uh... Go big or go home. I got like um, which has not been a great strategy. I'm in. <laughs> I'm like. I'm in danger zone. So like, I'm going to be playing be okay. a GPP You'll lineup okay. again, baby. I'm just. Uh, I'm going to have to get after it. No, see, in that Hopefully case, I, I finished. Score like, big. If I get eliminated the first round, it's pretty embarrassing. No, I finished like 43rd week one and like 66 last week. But mind you, I had Nate Landwehr who scored two points, so yeah. it was still impressive enough to go 66 out of 180. All things considered, you have one lineup. One lineup to do it. But I'm trying to play it safe to try to get through the next stages. And then once the risk-taking comes into place, then you're going to go down that road. Yeah, so the way I'm looking at it is we got Juan Adams and Tafa. I want exposure to that fight. Yeah. Um, I'll probably... Ige. Ige versus Mirsad. Maybe Ige's if they value. fit. There's um, so many good values. If they plays. fit, for sure. Uh, I'll, I'll have some some exposure. But like that's not my favorite. Like, I mean, Derek Lewis is... Let me see your pen quick. Is definitely a knockout high high knockout potential. I like what I see from Austin Lingo. The way that he fights comes forward and he's just throwing haze every single time he gets out there. So that's a guy that I'm gonna. I don't know what his price will be. Um, hopefully it's reasonable and hopefully people don't play him because he's not very well known. But uh, everyone ends up on the same plays these days anyway. Uh, Giles Arroyo. I haven't put. Very much thought. I mean, the, the, I hit a hard pass on that one. The inside the distance on that is basically close to a pick'em. So there could be some merit to those guys in tournaments, but um, not one that I really love. Uh, Morono, I think he rolls here, and he's got multiple paths to victory. So I'll be on him. 
And then, yeah, you kind of rolled, uh, wrapped up the guys at the uh, the bottom of the card here. Yeah, so for dogs that I'm looking for on the money line this week, Ige, Batista, Martinez. On DK, I think Ige, Batista, Martinez could also have upside. I like Ige, Martinez a little more than Batista, but I like those. And then your punts would be Newsom and Tafa. Tafa, better punt because he could knock him out in the first round, and he's going to be a way better price tag getting, given that he's a plus 190. And then our greasy Pogi Rob run down the PRP, parlay. hit him with PRP, it. PRP, baby. Uh, we're going to go a lot of favorites on the top, a lot of dogs on the bottom. John Jones, Valentina Shevchenko, Juan Adams, Dan Ige, Derek Lewis, Austin Lingo, Trevin Giles, Alex Morono, Andrea Lee, Mario Batista. I'm going to go Domingo Pilarte. And then I'm going to finish with the dog on Jonathan Martinez. So we've got three dogs and... How much time you got before you train? Missed the last one, so it doesn't matter. doesn't matter, Paul. All right, explain this fans-only thing to me. So obviously anybody who hasn't seen it, uh, Beck Rawlings and Jessica Penne have PG... Never would I As Cody... Well, you said this. um, As Cody pointed out... um, they, I guess it's PG thirteen, so they're showing like they show their what? What is this exactly? It's so like people pay a subscription to get like side scan, boob to get like side boob pics. Yeah, see, I don't understand it because at first I thought it was full X rated. I was like, oh, right on. But but like, I feel like such a boomer why, why, not knowing how, what this how stuff could is. you possibly? If I was like, yo, dude, twenty bucks, I give you a dick pic, and you did buy it. What's to stop you from just putting the dick pic online? Mm-hmm. And now nobody else is going to pay the money. That was my initial reaction. Was just like, man, how are they going to get money out of this? But ultimately, it's just like, listen, sex sells. You got Beck Rawlings, who they're saying that her BKB career is flourishing. Her BKB career is flourishing, Paul. Mm-hmm. And she looked really bad in her Bellator debut, getting subbed by an E-bar in the first round, her last time out. So, like, shit's not going particularly well there. She is a mother, by the way, a single mother, and she's got shit going on. She needs the money. Her, because she's got that kind of style and look, I, I, I could see people paying for Being it. Being into that look. Right? Yeah. The Jessica Panay one, she just got a four-year USADA ban. She obviously needs the money. I, I, I don't understand that one fully. This is a gate. I feel, to me, this feels like a gateway. This is a gateway to porn. This is smart. No, well, I don't know. If is it smart? To... Yeah, yeah. If this was your sister, what would you think? I'll tell you something. I'll tell you two things, actually. I'll tell you I two mean, they're, things. I mean, they're full-grown no, women. No, they no, are allowed yeah. to do what the they want. Anybody is... listening, if you are on OnlyFans, that's what it's no, for, fans only. Yeah, if yeah. you are on their thing, good on you. That's what you're into. Like, I'm not going to tell full-grown adults what they should and shouldn't do, but yeah. I don't know. That's, that's my number one super greasy. The two things I got. My sister, I'd be, I'd be ashamed. Okay, fair enough. I'm glad you brought that up. The two things there. First of all, doesn't matter what my religion is or my political beliefs. What I truly believe is like, it's not you. Then it's not your fucking business. It is not my business. If she wants to go and put pictures online, or if whoever wants to do whatever the fuck they want with their own life, their own body, by all means. Now the people that are paying for it, if they want to pay for it. That's on them because it's their fucking thing. I agree with that. So the fact that a bunch of people signed up shows that there's people that were willing to pay and she's willing to do it. Right off the table, there's no morals. There's no ethic. That's none of my business, right? Again, if the fact that she's a mother and if people want to point that shit out, don't worry about somebody else. Oh, I don't worry about that. They can collect the money if they want. That doesn't mean that I have to be on board with it. I know, I know, which is why I'm going to hit you with the second thing, Paul. Hit me with the second thing. Young Paul Shaughnessy, young Cody Safdick. 
College of Sports Media. Just a couple weed lads coming up in the game. Mm-hmm. We get an opportunity to do a radio round table. I'm sure they wanted to talk about hockey or who cares, but we hijack it. We decide to talk a little MMA. Yep. We're doing the show. Women's fight. Strike force. I bring it up. You, Paul Shaughnessy. That was years ago. I'm disgusted that women Time are allowed to, to fight. I mean. I think of my sister. Your exact fucking words. It's true. I think of my sister. Would I want to see my sister get beat up? Fast forward. Paul loves women's MMA. You're down. They go for it. It's entertaining. All the respect in the world. High-level athletes. Tatiana Suarez, your baby. Times change, right? It's just like, it, it was their choice to fight. Who, who gives a so shit? So let me get this choice. right. Her, her, she wants to show a little side boob. <laughs> she wants to show all the, all the boobs. Again, her fucking thing. But the one, the one thing I will leave you with is this is a case, something I created, called Home Depot Syndrome, Right? Beck Rawlings and Jessica Panay are not hot individuals. If you put them next to hot individuals, you would very clearly see that. However, they compete in the sport of MMA, where they're surrounded by very unfortunate-looking individuals. So it's just like when you go to Home Depot. It's like that chick working at Home Depot is not good-looking. But comparatively speaking to the other people in this Home Depot right now, mm-hmm. she's fucking hot. I mean, your Home Depot thing is the same as what I would call bush goggles. So I did six years of tree planting. I'm a shade under a million trees put <laughs> into know, the ground you know, throughout man, my university you know. career and all of that. Uh, I, I, tree, I planted trees, and that's how I made money to, uh, tree to get to where I am now. I am in a Hall of Fame. For One Hall planting. of Fame for honor tree for tree planting. That's, that's fucking badass. We call it bush goggles. So it's like week one, you're just like, there is no way that I would do that. In the real and world. And then in, in general. Yeah. Year two, you're like, well. She doesn't look that bad. She's lost about 10 pounds. We've been working real hard. Week, like a month into it, the bush goggles really, really kick in. Oh, yeah. And you do things that you would probably never have done before. Because compared to all the other options... Yeah. This one's clearly looking like the best one. And I'm very quick to say, oh, my baby, Joanny and Jacek, my real baby, Aspen Lat. I gotta know, dude. Like, if they were on the Victoria's Secret runway, like, I just don't know that they'd <laughs> fit in, right? And that fucking hurts me to say that, Paul, because then my baby's ride or dies. But it's just like, you know, I'm a realist at the end of the day. I gotta consider. So the Beck Rawlings thing, it's just like, dog. They're allowed to do whatever go, they wanna do. You, 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 and you, you guys are allowed to like yeah, what you, you are go, going to like. I'm not gonna stop anybody from collecting money off of this thing. Maybe all I'm saying is it's just not my thing. All I'm saying is you could easily go watch. I mean, there's t- fucking porn I'm everywhere. Saying, you, you can watch go, porn. You, you, could you go wanna watch. see full boob? You, you want, you're paying to see side boob? There's. Boob. You could watch some bugged up shit on the internet, my yeah. friend. But yeah, you can go watch Cagney for free. You can go watch Sophie D <laughs> yeah, or like, Gianna Michaels. You can go watch like, Lauren Phillips. Tattoos are your thing? No problem. You have Christine Mack. You have all these different girls. Bonnie Rotten, whatever. <laughs> Pamela Peaks. All I'm saying is there's options. You don't have to pay it's Annabelle Peaks is the one oh, that you're yeah. talking about. Pamela Peaks is an escort agency, but I don't use it. It's an American one, but they, she used to represent a bunch of porn Annabelle Peaks is, yeah. yeah Annabelle Peaks! She's a hot MILF, and she's tied up, big fat titties. Yep. 
Well, yeah, why would you? Why would you be paying for Beck? Although Beck Rollins got her fakies done too, so yeah. you know I, what? And I guess only the fans only. I guess are gonna. I guess gonna I'm just gonna have to. I'm just gonna have to man up and 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 buy the fans only, and then I'll let you guys know on a further Dogger Pass review. I'll let you know if it's a Dogger Pass situation on the pick side of things. <laughs> it sounds good. All right, that was Cody Saptic, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for breaking down the fights, as always. We had our boy Zach. He was back uh, behind the sticks for this episode. I'd like to give a thanks to Zach Penser. Forget his Twitter handle. I'll have that written down for next episode. But anyway, for Cody and Zach, I'm Paul saying goodbye and good luck. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.